You're listening to the program Youth Assembly on Click Niger Internet Radio, a conversation amongst young people about trending, topical, and political issues that concern the youth. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch us live on Click Niger. Well, it's the year so many people have dreaded, so many people have regretted, and so many people have also uh, enjoyed 2020. What is your stand for the year 2020? Well, 2020 was an eventful year for Nigerians, from the first index case of coronavirus to the lockdown that followed and a myriad of security and economic challenges that faced the nation, as well as the NSAS protest. Now, 2020, can be said to be the year of the pandemic, lockdowns, protests, security, and economic challenges for many Nigerians. Welcome to today's edition of Youth Assembly. My name is Sylvia Ishebe. Now, how did this event affect the lives of Nigerians in the year 2020? That is a question we intend to answer today. And what should Nigerians expect going forward or going into 2021? I have with me today uh, Mr. Moshud Isa, who is a communication expert and a credible election advocate. Welcome, Mr. Moshud. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you once again for having me. All right. And I have also a philanthropist in the house, Wanda Ebe. Welcome, Wanda. <laughs> I'm feeling Thank like you. I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of things today from you. <laughs> uh, hopefully. Yes, and I trust Nigerians also you'll get a lot from today's discussion as we look at um, the events that shaped 2020 for Nigerians. Now, looking at the year 2020, how would you describe it, Mr. Moshud, for you? Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Again, I'll just use the word, um, it's a complete package, really, really. <laughs> well, though it came with a, a lot of um, a lot of hype, like people will say. At the end of 2019, we're like, oh, 2020 will be this. And there is always, there has always been this vision, 2020. Yes. Uh, uh, the economy will be one of the best uh, top 20 in the world and all that. And then the, our budget, again, we, it was reshaped so that it will meet up with the January to December timeline rather than the May to May timeline we usually have. So the, I think there were a lot of plans. But um, without plans for unforeseen contingency, unfortunately. So it came with a lot of unforeseen contingencies. And then that's, we had to now start um, uh, preparing for working on on the go spontaneously, unfortunately. So to me, it's a roller coaster year. It's a complete package. It came with a lot of, a lot of negatives. But again, we shouldn't um, ignore the positives it came with, actually. The fact that it came with some negatives mean they are some new innovations that we had to actually work with and adapt with and which has actually come to stay like using this platform for instance um a lot of people now are now going uh, virtual meaning you can save a lot of time and energy doing things virtually rather than um trying to meet uh, physically so like i said it has come with its negatives but of course it's made it ensured that um there are a lot of um innovations and unfortunately it actually affected virtually all sectors of um of um of uh, of of, of uh, endeavor really education mm-hmm. security health sports but all sector unfortunately health is um is uh, is a key issue here and it has affected virtually all uh, 
facet of endeavor. But it's a roller coaster year, and we're glad we are we are here to reflect on it. And of course, it provides also a lot of opportunities going into the new year. Yes, reflection year, <laughs> reflection time for us as we look back at uh, what's transpired in 2020. Over to you, Wanda. Well, we started with the coronavirus pandemic. 2020 was indeed the year of the pandemic. Somebody actually told me uh, we're living the year of the pandemic into the year of the vaccines, which is 2021. <laughs> but how did you feel or what went through your mind when the first case was announced in Nigeria? On the 27th of well, February, 20th. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of mixed feelings because Nigeria is a developing country. And um, I also, I was worried. I was worried that, you know, if the pandemic hit us, you know, like maybe half Nigerian citizens will not make it because, you know, our, our health, our healthcare system is, is crap. So it just left me in fear, and because from all the videos that I saw from, you know, in developed countries, I saw how they responded to COVID-19. You know, I saw how they, they struggled, they did everything possible, even the best facilities, you know, to save citizens. And I just imagine if that happened in Nigeria, I don't know what would have happened. Like half of everybody would have died if the pandemic hit us that way. So for me, it was a call. It was a call, you know, to the government, to leadership, to do more, you know, on social amenities. Like I, 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 I always say that. Can you hear me? Yes, this is better. Go ahead. <laughs> I always say that I look forward to a, 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 a leadership who truly cares for citizens of Nigeria, because it looks like a lot of times we are distracted with. So many other things, you know, corruption and all of that. But Nigerians are truly suffering, you know. So for me, it was it was going to be a very tough year, but um, we just keep fighting. I also see that Nigerians are very very resilient people, and um, you know, in the midst of all of this, I I could see that we have a very strong spirit, and we are not people who just want to give up because you know things are not working out the way we expect them to. So it's been a tough year, and I've also seen a lot of strength in Nigerian youth and, yeah. you know, not depending on the government for any support because we didn't even get it. You know, so many people were, were celebrating the fact that, you know, we're receiving donations from international communities, you know, to, to support the country, the poor people, entire citizen, you know, citizens and all of that. But that did not happen, but Nigerians fought. We still tried, even in the midst of lockdown. We didn't even experience as much suicide, you know, as other countries who have all these benefits were experiencing. So, yeah, it's a good year, and I see that a lot of youth have also looked within themselves, reflected within themselves, like you said, to see how they can stand for themselves and and push themselves going forward. Hmm. Okay, you mentioned fear, you know, starting the year, this was February 27th, I can remember where I was and the panic that, or the fear that gripped me and the panic that ensued, uh, because we had to get masks, we had to run around and think that the, the, the coming of coronavirus into Nigeria was the end of it was just, you know, there were predictions about uh, people in Africa. You just see people dying, just falling on the streets right. and just dying. Dead right. 
on the right. streets. But that is not the case in Africa, yes. in Nigeria so far. Nigeria got its, uh, a lot of accolades for detecting the first case on time. And people thought the country had it under control until the virus started to, to spread. Now, how did yes. it all go wrong? How can Nigeria get it right in curtailing the spread of the virus? Especially now that the country is experiencing a second wave. Let's hear from you. Uh, okay, I have Mr. Ad, uh, a journalist here, Adelani Adepema. Welcome, Mr. Adelani. Thank you. So I, I presume you heard all I said. Yes. Okay, take it from here. How, how do you think Nigeria can help? Uh, or do, what can it do now to curtail the spread of the virus, even as we witness a second wave? Yeah, the key thing in this instance is the need for everybody to be to follow the protocols as directed. This is very key because a lot of people till now still don't believe there's anything called coronavirus. When you go to the market, when you go to stores, people still carry on as if everything is all right. So I believe people need more sensitization. People need to take responsibility. People need to uh, be careful. They need to wear their face masks, use their sanitizers, and avoid risky behaviors. I think that is one thing you can only bank on because for now there's no cure for the virus and even the vaccines um, may not, it's not something that is immediately available and you take some time before it will get around. Apart from the financial impact, apart from the financial cost, which, we, which, which, is, which is going to be high. So I think the best thing is for everybody to take, to be cautious and to follow the protocols as uh, stipulated for now. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mr. Boshud. Yeah, I quite agree with uh, with my colleague, Mr. Delani. Unfortunately, we are a nation that um, that doesn't necessarily abide by rules and regulation. And unfortunately, again, it's um, it's usually a top-down approach. When we see those that are making the laws not abiding by such laws, people begin to wonder why why should they actually abide by this? That's why that's why these doubts usually come in. If these um if this uh, virus actually exists. Because um, those that are making these laws, people used to say uh, laws in Nigeria are meant for the poor or something, but it's quite unfortunate actually. So, but this is, uh, this is our situation. It is what it is. The virus is real. People need to abide by um, the rules and regulations. And it has to be a, a top-down approach. There are many instances where, uh, sorry to say, our president was viewed without even using the face masks and people in the position of authorities um, hosting weddings and all that, even at, in the midst of the uh, pandemic. So people that set these rules and regulations have to lead by example. They, it's, it's not just about coming to say a governor has it, he's in isolation, it's not enough. People would even have their doubts saying it means this same governor didn't actually um, abide by these rules and regulations, that's why he contracted it. So leadership have to act, uh, lead by example. I, at the moment, I don't think the nation can afford another lockdown. So unfortunately, the last, um, the three-month lockdown we had was was really, really, really terrible for Nigerians to the extent that immediately after the lockdown, the only, the only thing the government didn't fit was to raise the price of petrol, which means more hardship for the people. So the last lockdown has shown to, to us that uh, Nigeria cannot, Nigeria cannot afford even a weak lockdown. So the best is to abide by all the rules and regulations, social distancing, use your face masks, and then it has to be, uh, leadership has to actually lead by example 
show that this is real and also abide by these um, rules and regulations. Well, we'll see how, how it goes, but we, we see also that some of those guidelines have been more like a partial lockdown happening right now with only 50 people in attendance if you're having an event. But maybe not a total lockdown, but maybe partial. But speaking about lockdown, the, the curtail, to curtail the spread of the virus in March, the federal government imposed the lockdown in Lagos, which was uh, and is still the epicenter of the virus. Now, Abuja and Ogun states were also locked down and other states followed. Now, a lot of things happened during um, this time. People lost their means of livelihood. People lost their jobs. People uh, were involved in domestic violence. It increased. And also the sharing of palliatives was somewhat uh, controversial for many reasons. Now, uh, Wanda, this is your field, and I have seen your work during the lockdown, what you did for so many people. But what lessons do you think Nigerians can learn from everything that went down during the lockdown? I think that Nigerians were really, really disappointed because you know the pandemic came as a shock to everyone, and it affected yes. everybody too. And um, the truth is that Nigerians have lost trust in leadership, and um, but they were thinking that this this period, at least, you know, things will be better, you know, and um, it, it's what it's a pandemic that affected everyone, the whole world entirely. So um, we had expectations, you know, uh, from support and all of that, but obviously we didn't get the support that we wanted from the government. So. Um, I just want Nigerian youth to to do much more to also look into agriculture. I mean, it, there's a lot of skill acquisition going on. So many young people are going into, you know, um, to businesses and and all of that, learning skills. But we, I, I want to encourage more Nigerians to to engage in agricultural you know, um, agriculture generally, because, you know, it's, 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 it's seen like, you know, farming or fishing or any other agricultural activity is, is, is meant for village people. But the truth is that if, if more Nigerian youth engage in agri agricultural activities, we will not be looking for food, we will not have to depend on the government for palliative, we will not have to, you know, um, invade or boggle warehouses because we needed food to eat you know it would just at least that basic need would have been met by so many people and um you know i know that the the fuel hike and all of that has affected a lot of things but if we had our own farms if i had my farm for example i think i would have just strolled to the farm and just looked for one or two things that would yes, use me for the fuel yeah. So food, food is something people won't get tired of. People need food every day to survive. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, but but in terms of domestic violence, we saw the increase of the numbers because of the lockdown. Yes. So yes, uh, what what can we take out of this? Is it is it a lockdown that caused this to, or was it always there? But but the lockdown just exposed it. It's it's been there. It's always been there. You know, uh, you know, a lot of advocacies, a lot of campaigns have been going on over the years about gender-based violence, domestic violence, and and all of that. 
So, but um, during the lockdown, it seemed as if there was an increase, and maybe there's really an increase because a lot of couples were forced to live together, to stay together, you know, for longer hours, you know. So a lot of secrets are also exposed. You know, our culture, um, polygamy is, is allowed in quotes. So, you know, definitely there will be a lot of conflict. Polygamy is a part of Nigerians. It's very, very normal, you know. It's not seen. When a man is cheating on his woman, it's not a big deal. It's like it's normal. But when a woman does it, it's a big deal. So definitely there's going to be friction when two people have to be together 24 hours. The men do not have access to all the plenty of women that they have, the side chicks. They didn't have access to them. And the side chicks are also complaining, you know. And then, I mean, you brought about exposing a lot of secrets. And that's why definitely there'll be heated arguments and fights and all of those violence that went on during the lockdown. So, yes, it was increased. But I also think that... Um, it would be very, very good if we have mental health facilities, you know, so that a lot of these issues can be tackled. And, you know, there'll be counseling for married people, not just married people, there'll be anger management sessions for almost everyone because Nigeria is a difficult country to live in. There's so much hardship. And so a, a lot of people tend to be very aggressive, you know, on even on a normal day. So we should try to have, you know, mental health facilities that can really help people you know, with anger management and relating to other people, communication and all of that. It's going to go a long way to curb violence in our society. Mm. All right. Uh, if you just tuned in or you're just joining us, it is um, Youth Assembly. We are looking at the events that shaped 2020 for Nigerians. We'd like to get your reaction also. Uh, you can tell us what events shaped 2020 for you. Is it a pandemic? Is it the recession? Is it the NSAS protests? What is it exactly? Or is it entertainment? We would like to um, hear from you. So um, now I totally agree with um, uh, Mr. Moshud when he said Nigerians can afford another lockdown. And one of the reasons <laughs> from what you said, Wanda, is the side chicks issue. So people don't have to experience um, domestic violence anymore. But over to you, Mr. Mashud. Before we get to um, uh, Mr. Delany, NSAS protests also happened. In October, the nation also witnessed what some people call the mother of all protests in a long time with, uh, with the NSAS protests. Now, the, the protest was triggered by the death of a young man in Delta State in the custody of the police and other cases of judicial killings by the now disbanded special anti-robbery squad. Why do you think the protest was such a success before it was hijacked by hoodlums? So the NSAS protest is, I think, is an, is an accumulation of um, a whole lot of things. First, from the police angle, from the extrajudicial killing, the human rights violation, it didn't start, it didn't start this year, it didn't start last year, it didn't start um, a few years ago. It's been it's been uh it's been with us for some time so it's been an accumulated uh, accumulated frustration which made people let out their aggression really and would i would always also link it to the fact that a lot of people lost their means of livelihood during the lockdown so as soon as the lockdown was done and people were trying to get their self you increase the price of petrol vat was increased people were not finding it funny and then this extrajudicial killing for people that are just struggling to make means of livelihood, and then boom, for no reason, you attacked them. And then in recent times, there has not been um, justice for, 
for these victims or for their families and all that. So this made our people trooped out. It's uh, I, I think it is an organic is an organic protest where uh, people felt the same impact virtually all over the country. It's a uh, it's like a unified unified protest where people people already accumulated this frustration and it's there was it just needed a little trigger to put it out and that was just, that was what made this um this uh this protest successful because um people are fighting for the same cause people came out to and uh, the demand was also unified there was a five for five where people were demanding first of all the disbandment of the of the of the special anti squad uh, justice for family of um of um these victims and then of course for those uh uh accused uh officers also uh uh they should also uh get uh, uh prosecuted when they uh when they need arise and of course there's this ongoing judicial panel of inquiry to a reasonable extent actually uh uh government reacted to the demands of these uh people but again there is deficit of trust between the government, between the people and the government. There have been a lot of judicial panels in previous times. There is the Zaki Biam in Benue incident. There was a judicial panel. There was no implementation. There is an incident in Kaduna between the Shiites and the military. There was a judicial panel. It exposed a lot of things, um, but there was no, uh, there was no implementation. So this actually affected the trust um, people have um, in the government. So even after disbandment, again. They disbanded this task, but again, this wasn't the first time they disbanded SAS. Again, issue of trust between the citizens and the government. The protests mm -hmm. continued, the, the, uh, the, it was unified, the reasons were obvious, the demands were unified, and then uh, people came out for similar reasons. I'd also show how much people can actually organize, try as much as possible not to violate any laws while protesting and all that. So, this is why it was a success because um, there was accountability too. There are different sectors. There were some that are providing medical support and some sectors that are providing um, uh, legal support, security, and all that. So it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a microcosm of what um, Nigeria should be. The kind of accountability of uh, that we should expect from our leaders and, uh, and the entire citizens. So right. that's what this, this is why I think it's a year, success. Oh, 2020 is the year for the youths or the awakening of the youths, Nigerian youths. Yeah, to a reasonable extent, yeah. I think youths actually reactivated their citizenship, demanded justice, <laughs> demanded accountability. Yeah, to a, to a large extent, the youth have been All accused right. of being of being docile before, but this, yeah. this is a sign that um they, they have re reactivated their citizenship. At some point, people were even calling for commencement of voter registration so that those that were uh, that were not participating before, they are ready to participate. It was like the next election should just come the very next day. And yes, they should they we come out and. To, to, yeah, we have to, to 2023. But before the then, there's, yeah, there's 2021 and 2022 for people to prepare themselves, get registered, mm. as in get, get enough information oh. about. Uh, 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 voter education, election itself, what it means, and all that. And anyone that is, that is ready to contest at that in 2023 should actually start uh, planning, uh, planning from now. Mm. So NSAS was a was a springboard, or is expected to be a springboard for young people to actually participate in the in in politics. Actually, know uh, part and parcel of the be part and parcel of the process, and not just should not be a temporary thing. 
should be what they will take towards 2023 and, and, and vote for a government they can actually uh, trust. All right, we'll delve into um, the elections shortly, but uh, let me hear from you, Mr. Adelani. Uh, what do you think um, the organizers and the government should have done differently to forestall the breakdown of law and order during the protests? I mean, they started with ending uh, SARS, but uh, as, as the protests uh, went on, people said, you said demanding more than just ending SARS. What should they have done differently, the organizers and government? Yeah, I believe the organizers actually had their, they, 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 they were really united, they were organic, and the protest was well organized. And one could see from the fact that throughout the whole process, before it was hijacked, there was no violence, they took care of themselves, and uh, there was no criminality of, of whatsoever. The government also responded well initially by um, uh, by, by taking up the challenge, the, 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 some of the, some of the demands that were made, they spoke to them and set up, uh, the IG responded and then you find that, that some of the, by disbanding the SARS and other issues that were raised were also followed through. But it was towards the end that they allowed Ms. Kran to take over. I believe it was an opportunity that was missed. The government could have used this opportunity of the protest to actually reconnect to the youth. And um, the problem I see there was that uh, the, 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 the organizers too also failed to take advantage of that unity, of that unity of purpose to demand more from the government. Because like somebody said that even if you organize, if you protest, your protest must end at the negotiation table. But because the protesters had no leadership, so to say, there was nobody to negotiate with. And this had to do with the fact that they felt if they nominated some people, there might be a breach of trust. You know, there are always this belief that when some people go in to discuss with the government, they could be compromised, they could be settled, and at the end of the day, nothing will be achieved. I think that was the missing point because every organization must have a head so if the organizers had maybe selected some prominent Nigerians, some people that they have confidence in, three, four, five persons, and say, okay, you represent us at the negotiation table, and these are what we want from the government. This would have been a roaring success. But because there was no group to, to handle that aspect, they lost the momentum. Mm. Then from the government, the government allowed the miscreants to take over the the protest, and at the end of the day, the whole thing was messed up. And I believe from now and for the lesson we could learn from this is the fact that for a long time, the youth have been a footnote to the political narrative in the country. And now it's time for them to be active participants. Because instead of just complaining and talking, it's time for them to organize and bring up credible candidates. When, when you look at the elections, most of 90% of the people that vote are youth. Because they are the one that have the energy, they are the one that go out for campaigns and do that kind of thing. So now that the situation has come to this level, then what we need to do is for you to look for credible, credible candidates, credible aspirants, people that they know they can trust, and send them there to effect the kind of impact they want. So it's not just about talking and grumbling and making threats. It's about you have to be part of the solution. 
it's easy to complain, but for you to really have solution, for you to make progress, you have to be part of the solution. You have to right. be involved. Solution. Okay. Um, uh, speaking about elections, uh, in the political scene, gubernatorial elections were held in Bielsa, Edo, and other states, uh, and the outcome of the keenly contested Edo election was a highlight for 2020. Now, the election was largely peaceful, free, and fair, contrary to the expectations of many in the build-up of the election. Now, why do you think, over to you, uh, Mr. Boshut, uh, why do you think uh, the elections went the way it did, contrary to the expectation that it would be mad with violence, since it's what is usually obtainable in some parts of Nigeria? So, uh, thank you once again. So, I think there is, of course, there is, not that there are expectations that there will be violence, but there are early warning signals. There okay. are civil society that actually um, made efforts to observe the pre-election environment. And based on what they saw, they, they 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 created this early warning signs that if actions are not being taken, this election will be marred by violence. And for every early warning signals, there is a there is a stakeholder that, that is involved that should take a certain action. Yaga Africa, for instance, uh, did um, uh, a pre-election observation survey. They also did pre-election observation by sending people around to observe the to observe the pre-election environment and possible triggers of violence. And then again, one thing that um, also contributed to the peaceful election in, in Edo was, uh, was this, there was a signing of peace accord and the involvement of Oba of Benin in the whole process. I remember the Oba of Benin inviting the major candidate to his palace, telling them that whoever wins this election, Edo State will still remain. Both of you are citizens of Edo and um, you must know that you must know that Edo State will remain even after this. And then I think the citizens also were trying to make a statement. We're trying to make a statement that beyond this, they can take a, a decision by themselves. I don't want to go into the issue of um, Godfatherism and all that, but the yes. the trajectory that played the defection of the governor to another party due to certain issues and all no, that. That was another like, highlight for 2021. Yeah, the defection that, was, that happened. Yeah. So it was attributed to the issue of Godfatherism, and it, it was believed that the citizens want to make a statement that um, they can uh, make a decision on their own rather than um, following a Godfather or something. So that also contributed. But again, the fact that um, those in the National Peace uh, Committee, uh, Cardinal Onaikon, uh, former president, uh, former military head of state, General Abdul Salam Abubakar, are very important personalities and highly respected also contributed to the uh, to the to the peaceful election in Edo, and of course the Oba of Benin is highly respected, and he invite the fact that he invited the people, uh, the major contestant to his palace, warned them against violence, and then they in turn went back to uh, to warn their 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 supporters against violence. That also contributes hugely. But again, if a probably if a, if a governor is um if if he has a large support of the citizens, there's tendency that um, there's tendency that uh, uh, people will come out to vote peacefully. Even though, of course, there's always issue of a low voter turnout, unfortunately. But we are glad that early warning systems created by CSOs and other organisations was uh, ensured that um, stakeholder security took the necessary actions to curtail uh, violence in. In Edo State. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. We also have um, joining us 
Um, now, Barista Victor Giwa, who is a lawyer. Welcome, Barista. Good to have you. Yeah, good morning. Yes. Good morning. Okay, so we have a comment here. Iyamoke just says, the election in Bayasa was a highlight for me. Speaking about what, what were your highlights for 2020, what events shaped 2020 uh, for you? We'd like you to drop your comments and tell us what events in 2020 actually shaped the year uh, for you. So, Barista, we'd like you to, to answer now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can. Yes, and political party defections. Uh, you know, 2020 was also uh, a year of defections and political realignments. Uh, notable among them is the defection of the governor uh, of um, State Governor Dave Omahi, formerly of PDP to APC. Do you think we should expect more um, defections in 2021? And how do you think the defection will shape the race for 2023 elections? Hello, Barista. Okay, Mr. Adelani, I think he'll take it from here. I don't know what is wrong with his network. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Adelani. Okay, well, I believe uh, 2023 will be very interesting. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can see the sign from now with the defections and uh, the crisis plaguing the, both PDP and the APC. And um, Nigerians are watching what's going to happen. Apart from that, we also see what's been playing about, playing out about the uh, expected uh, contest by former Lagos State Governor Bola Tinubu. Already, there are reports that uh, he's already putting in place measures to contest. He has set up a campaign office in Abuja. The posters are up, up and running everywhere. Some some of his uh, some of members of his, of his political structure have also been sensitizing the public. So there have been a lot of uh, back and forth on uh, whether there should be zoning or should, there should not be zoning. And of course, we saw the southeast too gearing up, saying it is their turn to be to produce the next president. So definitely, 2023 will be very very interesting because of all this uh, report and the uh, alignment of forces and things that are shaping system today okay there was also the issue of insecurity in 2020 the nation faced a lot of security challenges and particularly in the north armed banditry boko haram attacks and kidnapping have become the order of the day in nigeria in 2020 now the kidnapping of the kankara boys and the killings of rice farmers in zambari were some highlights in this 2020 now how can the country get it right with uh, security to ensure that insecurity reduces in 2021 uh barista can you hear me now so mr delani how can the government get it right in terms of um, security in Nigeria. Yeah, that is a very important issue because without security, nothing else can work. You can't be talking about politics, you can't be talking about economy. Everything rests on security. And one way we could really get things right is to empower the security architecture. Mm -hmm. Our security architecture is overstretched and incapable of handling the present bloodshed and violence across the country. We know that the police, we don't have enough of them. I, I, the, I think the, 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 the current figure of the 
policemen in Nigeria, there are less than 400,000. And about 150,000 of them or more are guarding VIPs, governors, and politicians. So you see that our streets are not safe. Two days ago, the governor of your state raised the alarm about uh, the plan by from bandit from Mali to invade Nigeria. Already, if you go to our forest reserve, it is dotted with a bandit camp, kidnappers. You can only travel from here, to, from Abuja to Kaduna without being kidnapped. Kidnapping is happening every day. Even in Abuja, the, uh, around the Peggy, Kujay area, there's no week they don't kidnap people there. The other day, they kidnapped almost like 10 persons who are working with the Kujay area council. That should tell you that we are really in a dire situation. So we need to empower the security system. We need to train our men. We need to equip them. And of course, we need to also look at their welfare because when they are well taken care of, they will put their heart and their soul in, the, in, 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 in their jobs. So that is very, very key for 2023. Mm. All right, Mr. Moshud, uh, in terms of security, how, how, could you, how do you think the country can get it right and reduce the security in 2021? I'll try, I'll try to be as frank as possible. And there has yeah. been questions around um, uh, what the service chiefs are still are still doing right now. There have been calls from different quarters to 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 do away with the service chiefs. First, not not just because of the fact that um, they are they are due for they are due for retirement, but again, there has been there has been no positive. Um, there has been there, there has been questions around their competence really and the and the impact. Even the president has said that that they are trying, but their but their effort is not good enough. Unfortunately, we are still keeping uh, these service chiefs. It means um, there's, there are there some things that probably Nigerians don't know. It's either those service chiefs are not giving what they are need or what they are what they need, or they are actually giving what they need and it's probably not going to the right um, channels. So if something is not working, the first thing to do is try and um, try and fix it. These service chiefs have been have been with us since um, 2015. And then there have been a lot of questions around them, especially from uh, 2019 to 2020. If something is not working, try and fix it. If service chiefs are the problem, then try and change the service chiefs. It, uh, it's also stalling the elevation of other uh, military chiefs that are below them. If you don't retire those that are due for retirement, then you cannot elevate those that are due for, for elevation. And then the, we need to start asking our questions regarding accountability. There's a huge budget that goes to security every year. We need to we need accountability for that. People need to start asking questions. What does that money go for? I, I remember the Minister of uh, Communication saying uh, the uh, the the foreign countries are not um, providing them support, giving them selling weapons to them and all that. Has been the has been the challenge that the previous administration also also told us, unfortunately. But there there's been a lot of budget for this, and then there has been questions around um, state policing and all that. There has been debates around that. There is a there's the Amoteko in <laughs> Southwest, and there is also controversy around them. So we need to be we need to actually go back to the drawing board and be sure what we actually need for our security what they actually need of course there's question around welfare are they getting the the, the the desired support that they need from the country 
the budget for the for security where is it going to is it ending up in abuja or is going to where it is needed in the in the southeast there is always um uh, questions um controversy around if this uh, security men are getting the uh, desired welfare. And then there's a there's also an issue around um, paying of ransom. For it's you to pay ransom, yeah, for kidnappers, paying ransom, negotiating with kidnappers. We see governors negotiating with kidnappers, and then the government come out to tell us that, oh, we just negotiated and there was no ransom paid. Are you trying to tell us that the bandit just, um, they just, uh, they just decide to be good overnight or something. So if you are paying ransom to to release uh, uh, kidnapped people, you are indirectly empowering those bandits. Not just those bandits alone. You are indirectly telling other people that hey, this is a huge business. If you successfully kidnap someone, they will pay you ransom. And that's how this 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 is spreading from the northeast to the northwest to even Abuja, like uh, my colleague said, and some part of. Um, uh, not central. You can't travel from here to to Abu to Lokoja, for instance, Abuja to Lokoja without. To, uh, to here. Yeah, so fine. so there are yeah. a lot of um questions about competency well, of the security teams themselves. For instance, hmm. the Kankara boys. Sorry, the Kankara boys incident. The governor came out to say, "Oh, Miyati Allah actually negotiated on our behalf, and these boys were released, and the secure and um." The army came out to say, no, we rescued these kids. Unfortunately, you rescued these kids. There was no a single arrest of any kidnapper. So there's a lot of things Nigerians don't know or uh, 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 this government are not telling us, are not being transparent about the security. And unfortunately, this is um, spreading wider. And these incidents are just the ones that made the news. Unfortunately, there are a lot of security issues that didn't even make the news. So we need to first of all call for accountability, set targets for this um security heads, IG who is the uh, NSA for crying out loud, what has he been doing? We should ask questions, set targets for these people. And then if they don't meet up with the target, then you take you have to build the you have to take the hit the sledgehammer on them. How to well, take well, how to like, take difficult decisions, really. It looks like the year Nigerian hasn't enjoyed any good out of 2020. With all of the things we've mentioned, we've, we've said economic recession, even economic recession, um, insecurity, answers came with, with all his own violence, so many of them. But on a lighter note, we also saw the price of onion <laughs> becoming a hot topic in 2020 as the price went up, it became gold. <laughs> well, so how did you cope with having not having onions re readily available? Uh, let me ask the woman here, uh, Wanda. <laughs> I also cook too, by the way. Oh, yes, but you spoke on was for so It was so frustrating not to be able to afford onions, you know. And I'll still go back to my comments earlier. If, if a lot of people were engaged in agricultural activities, we won't have to depend on a particular part of the country to supply onions to us for it to become gold. So if, for example, I had an onion farm in Benue, you know, or someone else had in Ogun State, you know, Niger, just everywhere across the country, if we try to have those farms, we won't have to wait for people who are hoarding, you know, and deciding what to happen. But it was it was frustrating not to be able to afford onions. You go to the market and they tell you that you cannot buy onion 200 naira worth there's no onion for 200 naira. So 
And I'm like, mm -hmm. so how are we going to survive? What is this? You know, so it wasn't funny. It wasn't the first funny. time, I think. Onion. I was like, Onion? Yeah. Audio. <laughs> right. selling like 100 there. Oh my God. One tiny one like that. Uh, but we, we saw recession happen. Would you say it was also part of it? Nigeria experienced a uh, uh, recession this December, you know, uh, for the second time in five years, we went into recession. How do you think the recession is affecting the lives of Nigerians? Mr. Delaney. Of course, things have been very, very tight. Apart from that, the inflation has been crazy. So now if you were earning like uh, $100 before, now your purchasing power has probably reduced to 60 or $70. So it has been coupled with the fact that, uh, the, coupled with the, the consequences of the NSAS protest, where so many uh, small businesses were destroyed or shut down, the effect is unimaginable. Mm -hmm. But how can we exit from the recession on time? At least we're going into the next year. So uh, is it looking like we can exit next year? <laughs> yes, it's possible. Uh, well, the, the, what what, what uh, economists recommend for recession, this, the antidote to recession is usually more productivity and spending. You can spend your way because the more money you have in the system, the more productive you are, the faster the economy will revive and the earlier you can get out of it. And I, I believe the government knows this. That's why abroad, when you have such issues, the government normally encourage, they normally support businesses, either with uh, grants, with loans, and things like that, so that they don't lay off people, so that they can continue to produce and provide support to the citizens and to enable the economy to turn around faster. Mm. Even the entertainment industry wasn't left out uh, all of the, from all of the bad things that happened in 2020. We saw the arrest of, uh, of yes, of Thames in Uganda and also um, the singer Omale. They were arrested in, the, um, in Uganda and this actually shaped um, entertainment industry in 2020. Uh, it's been a challenging year for them. Naira Mali was also prosecuted for violating the protocols at the drive-by concert in Abuja. Uh, what impact do you think these arrests would have on, on organizations of shows during the pandemic going forward, going into 2021? Who do I ask now? Who is into entertainment? Maybe a <laughs> should Go ahead. Uh, okay, nice one. Um, again, the arrest of Omali and Thames in Uganda also goes back to tell us um, the gap in diplomatic relationship between Nigeria and um, and Uganda. We claim to be big border Africa and all that, and they, but unfortunately, uh, uh, this probably some of these African countries are not necessarily giving us that respect, or we don't actually deserve that respect. We think we we actually deserve. But again, we need to ask more questions around um, what truly really led to that arrest. But again, kudos to Madam um, Abikedabiri. I think she swung into action, and then they were able to they were they were released. The arrest of um, Nevamali Nevamali has been, of course, obviously notorious for the for the wrong reasons and all that. And not forgetting Funke Akindele and her husband too were yes, yes. actually uh, prosecuted for violating um, COVID-19 um, protocols. Again, this goes to the fact that there are role models that should be leading by example, telling, uh, doing the right thing. 
these people are so are called influencers and they have a lot of followers they should be leading by 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 examples really again there are complaints that even after the arrest of um Funkia Kindele and her husband for violating COVID protocols. There are other high-profile personalities that also violated the protocol, but nothing, nothing actually happened to them. But again, uh, again, something new that was introduced in the entertainment industry is the fact that uh, an artist can be in a studio alone and perform while being on either Facebook Live, YouTube Live, yeah. Instagram Live, and then people tune in, and then it's a new trend, and it's a, it's a good innovation. Just that again, probably um, the money they get for shows, um, uh, tickets, and all that might uh, might not be forthcoming if the if this is sustained. But of course, the new innovation. I see Mi and um, Netosi actually did a, a rap battle online on Instagram. People people actually are tuning and you know watch it was trending on Twitter. Is uh, initially this usually done physically on stage where people yes. come and all that. But the entertainment industry also evolved mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of things, with uh, virtual activities. Same with sports. The FIFA award was also done virtually, where people tune in online and watch an award where, you know, presented. So, again, like I said at the beginning, the COVID-19 came with a lot of negatives, but also uh, gave us opportunity to innovate and um, introduce new things and how things you know, can be can be done better and this can be sustained. Is something we can take out of 2020, I presume. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. speaking yeah. about Big Brother Nigeria, I wonder, are you a fan of that show? <laughs> but you know, this year, this year alone, the, the votes recorded was the highest with 900 million votes votes um, this year. And uh, uh, I would like to know if you're a fan, who is your favorite housemate? Who was your favorite housemate? And then why do you think the show is now becoming so popular or has become so popular um, this for Nigerian youths, especially this year of the lockdown? Okay, my favorite, my two favorite housemates. Let's know. I loved Kidwire and I loved Lengi. And, oh, um, Kidwire and Lengi. Yes, I loved Lengi. If you love Kidwire, you're not supposed to be loving Erica too. Erica, I understand. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything against Erica, but... I love Nengi's personality. I like how she carries herself. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's yeah. what I like about Nengi. And I also like Kiwaya. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that, you know, this year they, they got more views and votes because, you know, I mean, so many people were idle. A lot of people lost their jobs. People were depressed. Mm -hmm. People just wanted to make themselves happy. People just wanted to find a way to make, you know, like make themselves happy, unwind. I mean, you cannot go to any joint and hang out, you know, everywhere was closed because of the lockdown, you know, so, um, and things that are easing off in faces, you know, so, I mean, Big Brother Nigeria would just be the best thing to entertain you in the comfort of your home, and even if you're not watching it before, you just get involved. We need that escape. That escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why mm. I think, yeah, um, Big All right, well, well, going into 2020, well, what are your expectations for Nigeria? In, in, in a few sentences, you can just make that first. My expectations for Nigeria. Rando, what are your expectations for Nigeria? Yes, for 2021. Oh, I'm expecting that um, there should be more. I'm expecting organizations to take you know their social responsibility more seriously. 
because okay. um, I think that that's something that so many organizations take for granted. They work, they have a lot of profits, but their social responsibility is not good enough. And um, it looks like civil society organizations have to depend on international, you know, funding, you know. So um, I think they should also see how they can support the welfare of citizens of Nigeria. Because I, I also noticed that, you know, they are more interested in advertising themselves and sponsoring programs like Big Brother Nigeria. But um, they... they Okay, she's frozen. But Mr. Bashud, what are your expectations for Nigeria going into the year 2021? Yeah, in few words, I'll just say the passage of the Electoral Act. There was a public hearing in early December, and we were promised that uh, first quarter of 2021 will have a new Electoral Act. I think that would um, help to plug all the loopholes in our elections. Mm -hmm. And... Um, those are some of the things that would encourage people to now get registered and participate in the process. Young people and Nigerians generally need to start um, getting involved. We need to have a um, higher voter turnout. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of um, issues that usually contribute to low voter turnout. But I think if we have a new electoral act, and um, of course being assented to by the president as soon as we can, people will get encouraged to get registered and participate in the process. And hopefully they can... Um, elect a leader they can actually trust a leader that will, that will be that will take responsibility that will be very empathetic especially in a period like this so i'm looking forward to the passage of the electoral act and i hope it can shape other political activities going into 2021 mm -hmm. all right thank you so much mr moshud isa he, he is a communications expert and a credible election advocate. Thank you for your thoughts today as we look at the events that shaped 2020, uh, yes, for Nigerians. And also to you, Mrs. Wanda Abe, Ebe, Ebe, right? <laughs> Wanda yes. Ebe, who is a, a philanthropist. I think I've won today. I've won something from you. All of your ideas and uh, thoughts are so welcome. Thank you so much for coming today on Youth Assembly. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, we also thank our guests who were here earlier, Adelani Adepeba, who is a journalist, and Barista Victor Giwa, a lawyer. We hope you have a fantastic end of year. And um, thank you so much for January, for February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and for December. I mean, your presence here actually shaped Click Niger, and we are grateful for it. Have a fantastic uh, fantastic. Uh, 30th of um, December, and we hope to see you on Monday. Monday is, um, yes, we'll have the first edition of the new year for Youth Assembly. So we'll see you then, and uh, stay safe. Okay. Take care of yourself, everyone. Thank bye you. for now. Yeah, bye. Thank you for your time. You can drop your comments and suggestion and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Click Niger. We're also on Twitter at ClickNiger1.